Please open your Bible once again with me to the book of the Psalms. This morning we'll be looking at Psalm 30. Psalm 30, beginning in verse 1. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, you have made it so my foes will not conquer me. Beloved, by God's favor, by his grace, that grace that's given to us in Christ Jesus, no foe, not our sins, not the grave, not even Satan himself shall be able to cause us to perish. We read in verse 5 how that in his favor, in his grace to us in Christ Jesus, is life. Though weeping may endure for a night, joy cometh in the morning. Beloved, in the Lord's favor is life. That is, in the Lord's sovereign grace to us in Christ, he grants us everlasting life and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And so we see here in verse 1, David expressing the believer's desire. I will extol thee, O Lord. I will. Indeed, we do, beloved, for God's people are made willing in the day of his power. And so we see here the believer's ardent desire. And is that not our desire, beloved? To exalt the Lord, to worship him, to honor him in our very being? O Lord, grant all of us here this morning your grace in Christ, and we will all extol thee. You see, my friend, he is my Lord, and he is worthy of all honor and all glory. For thou hast lifted me up from the pit of my ruin. Beloved, our Lord is the most high God, and beside him there is no other Savior whereby we must be saved. Over and over again we read that in God's word. In the book of Isaiah, God tells us emphatically, there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. My friend, beside him there is no other Savior. Beside him there is no other God. Indeed, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so, my friend, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. True faith, true repentance, true saving knowledge about our great God and Savior ever has high and exalted thoughts of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, we can never think of our God, we can never think of our Lord too highly, for holy and reverent is his blessed name. You see, not only do we believe him by his grace, further to that, we also consider him by his grace. And when we consider the Lord Jesus Christ, we have high thoughts of him, who is God manifest in the flesh, considering all his holy character, his eternality, his sovereignty, and his absolute power. And so when we consider the Son of God, our thoughts of him are high. Consider his holy character and who he is. And conversely, we have low thoughts of ourselves, being made to know 
what we are before him. And so, beloved, it's our desire as his people to exalt his name together. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Turn ahead a few psalms to Psalm 34. And look there with me, beginning in verse 1. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Beloved, isn't that our desire here this morning? Isn't that our heart's desire to exalt his name? Indeed, whenever we gather together to hear the preaching of the gospel, to have his name exalted and magnified in our hearts, declaring who he is and what he has done to save his people. And David cries out in verse 1, Lord, thou hast lifted me up. And so, beloved, because the Most High God has lifted us up, consequently, we exalt him who is our Lord, our God, and our Savior. Beloved, his grace, given to us in Christ Jesus, has lifted us up from the pit of sin, lifted us up from the curse of the law, and has lifted every mercy beggar up from the dunghill of ruin to make us sons of the Most High God. Beloved, he has lifted us up and made us one with his beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So how long has our eternal God lifted us up? In Psalm 28, verse 9, God's word declares, Save thy people and bless them. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Not lift them up temporarily. No, no. Rather, God's word says he shall lift them up forever. Beloved, he has lifted us up and made us one together with Christ Jesus, his son. And so to be one with the Lord Jesus Christ is to be one with he who is exalted, he who is seated in the heavenlies. You see, beloved, what is true of our head is also true of everybody that comprises his body, his bride, his church. And he ever beholds her and keeps her by his power. And so our Heavenly Father has lifted us up so high in Christ Jesus that our spiritual enemies cannot rejoice over us. Truly, our spiritual enemies cannot conquer us. God declares through the pen of the Apostle, and this is recorded for us in Romans chapter 8, Beloved, our good and ready to forgive God would have us to know that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And the Apostle continues, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Beloved, our Lord has given us the victory. Victory over sin, victory over death, victory over hell, and victory over the grave. 
Truly, he has given us victory over all our spiritual enemies. Thanks being to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we are made more than conquerors. For he has spoiled principalities and powers, making a show of them openly, triumphing over them by the sacrifice of himself. Beloved, we have the sure victory in Christ. He says, on earth, it is finished. And in heaven, he says, it is done. David and every believer with him sings, the Lord has lifted me up in Christ Jesus, made me a new creature in Christ, and has not made my foes to have the victory over me. They will not rejoice, for in Christ they can never, never conquer me. Beloved, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Psalm 30, verse 2. O Lord, my God. O Lord, my God. Our brother, Doubting Thomas, when our resurrected Lord appeared to them that day, now though Thomas wasn't there for the first appearing of our Lord, but when the Lord returned in their midst, Thomas was there, and having earlier bemoaned, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And then when the Lord appeared unto him, he said to him, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas said, My Lord and my God. My friend, he is my Lord and he is my God. Beloved, he is God our Savior. Our Lord declares, Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Again, verse 2, David cries, O Lord my God, I cried unto thee and thou hast healed me. And beloved, this is our cry as well. You see, my friend, his people cry unto the Lord. The gospel of God is a revelation of what God has done for sinners in Christ Jesus. Thou hast lifted me up. Thou hast healed me. Though by nature, spiritually speaking, we're full of wounds and bruises, just like that leper full of open, sinful sores. But there is healing in the gospel of Christ. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me whole. You can make me clean. And the Lord said to that leper, as he does to all of his people, I'm willing, be thou clean. I'm willing, be thou complete. Complete in him, beloved. Who can heal the dreaded disease of sin? Only Christ Jesus, the Lord, our great physician. Our Lord said to those who complained and bemoaned, He's a friend of sinners. He said to them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And like David, we cry out unto the Lord. Why does a sinner cry out unto the Lord? My friend, a child of God cries out of his desperate need. 
And if God should ever be pleased to show you what you are in the light of Christ, by his grace, should he ever give you life in your heart, you'll cry under the only one who has a remedy to heal sinners and make them whole. I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. We read in Luke chapter 4, when the Lord was quoting from a portion of Isaiah, you turn there with me, Luke chapter 4. The Lord was quoting from a portion of Isaiah, beginning there in Luke 4, verse 18. The Lord, speaking, declared, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Verse 20. And our Lord closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And in Isaiah chapter 53, we read of his stripes, how that were healed through the sacrifice of himself, through his life that he gave as a ransom for many. Beloved, through his doing and dying, we are healed. Now that's not speaking with regard to a physical healing. This old body is weak, sickly, and headed for the dust. Rather, he's speaking here about spiritual healing. All of our spiritual diseases are healed with, the, with his sacrifice. By the sacrifice of himself, beloved, he has made us whole. In Christ Jesus, our Lord dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and in him we stand complete. Turn with me to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Beginning in verse 1. God's word declares in Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. What does that mean? Beloved, believing sinner, it means this. We're complete in Christ. Not that we shall be complete, but ever so blessedly right now, though I don't see it, I believe it. I know it. I'm complete in Christ. The disease of sin, the power of sin to condemn me has been satisfied and put away by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thou hast lifted me up. Lord, thou hast given me the victory through your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I cried unto the Lord out of my need as a condemned, guilty sinner. And he heard me, and he healed me. And then in Psalm 30, verse 3, we read these words. Thou hast brought up my soul from the grave, 
Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit of eternal destruction. Thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Now what exactly is David referring to? Beloved, he's speaking here about spiritual regeneration. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you hath God quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And beloved, he's given us life in Christ Jesus. As we read from the Gospel of Ezekiel, When I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Beloved, when he said live, when he passed by in that appointed time of love, he said to his own, live. And so, beloved, we live by the power of God. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. And we read that in John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 21. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Beloved, aren't you glad that he has power to raise us up from the grave of our spiritual deadness and sin? Being spiritually dead in Adam, having that dead nature, once dead to God, but now he's given us life in Christ Jesus, his Son. Thou hast brought me up from the grave, just like he did with Lazarus. Lazarus had died. He wasn't four minutes dead, but rather he was four days dead, so thoroughly dead that his body was already decomposing. And then the Lord Jesus Christ stood in front of that tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth. And beloved, that's a picture of what the Lord does to us in spiritual regeneration. For he finds us, spiritually speaking, four days dead, filthy dead in the grave clothes of our self-righteousness. And he says to us in power and grace, sinner, live. What's going to happen when when the Lord says live? Spiritual life is going to come by his power and his grace. You see, where the word of God is, where the word of truth is, there's power. The king speaks to his people in power. Of his own will, he gave us spiritual birth through the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And David prays, Thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. We read in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, how that our heavenly Father has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You see, the gospel is not a declaration of what we must do for God, but rather ever so blessedly, the gospel is a declaration of what God has done for us, his elect in Christ. Well, what has he done? Beloved, believing sinner, he has saved you to the uttermost. O Lord, thou has brought me up from the grave and you've kept me. And because you've given me eternal life, I shall never perish. For I'm kept by your power through the faithfulness of your never-failing Son. Truly, he's able to keep us from falling, beloved. And so, truly kept by him, 
that David and every believer with him exclaims, by God's grace in Christ, I will not go down to the pit. We read in God's word there in Job chapter 33, deliver him from going down to the pit. And why was that? Because I have found a ransom. And beloved, that ransom is Christ, and he paid our ransom in full. Do you know what happens to the prisoner when the ransom is paid? He who was once a prisoner is set free when the ransom is paid. And the Lord Jesus Christ has ransomed us, beloved. Indeed, he has paid all of what God's law and justice demanded and has gloriously set us free. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Our Lord said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And so, beloved, you who were once in your experience justly condemned, you who were once a prisoner to the death sentence of God's holy law, have been set free. You see, he's lifted us. He's healed us. He's brought us up out of the grave. He has made us to know that he has done all these things for us. And so what are we going to do, beloved? now that he's made that known to us. Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing unto the Lord. Oh, sing unto the Lord, for he hath done wonderful things. Turn with me to Psalm 98. Sing unto the Lord the song of gladness. Sing unto the Lord the new song of redemption and salvation. Psalm 98, verse 1. O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. For his right hand, his holy arm, hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the Gentiles. Again, Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness at the remembrance of his righteousness. Now, who are the saints of his? Beloved, every believing sinner in the Lord Jesus Christ is a saint. Sanctified by God the Father and set apart in Christ, his beloved Son, sanctified by the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and sanctified by God the Holy Spirit in regeneration. O sing unto the Lord, all ye saints of his. And beloved, we're his. As it says in Ephesians chapter 1, where his purchased possession, having been bought with his precious blood, the blood of our Lord and God, sing unto the Lord all ye saints of his, and give thanks, for he saved you and called you in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. And so, beloved, give thanks. Look there in the latter latter part of verse 4. Beloved, give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Now, one would think, naturally speaking, that saved sinners would give thanks unto the Lord for his loving kindness, or that David would give thanks to the Lord for his mercy, or give thanks for his saving grace. And we do give thanks unto the Lord for all that. But here it says, give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. You see, God is absolutely holy. All that he does in creation, he created all things in absolute perfection. 
All that he does in providence, what unfolds in time, he does according to the perfection of his holy will. Indeed, he works all things after the counsel of his own will. And in saving sinners, he does so in such a way that honors his holiness. You see, he doesn't save us at the expense of his holy character. Rather, when he saves us, he saves us the only way the true and living God can, by declaring his righteousness, which declares the holiness of our Heavenly Father, that he might be just and the justifier of every sinner which believeth in Jesus Christ, his well-pleasing Son. Our good and ready-to-forgive God is a just God and Savior. And therefore, we sing unto the Lord at the remembrance of who he is, remembering him who has saved us from what we are. And so we give thanks that our God is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Jesus Christ. What a just gospel. What an effectual gospel. What a holy gospel is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we sing about him and give thanks. God saves sinners and honors his holiness in doing so through his beloved Son. And he is a just God and Savior. O ye saints of his, give thanks at the remembrance of our Father's holiness, our substitute's holiness, and the Spirit's holiness. All through the book of Acts, and all the preaching of the gospel recorded there by the Holy Spirit, do you know how many times the love of God is mentioned? Not once. You see, the word L-O-V-E is not even recorded in the book of Acts. Now, of course, when the gospel is declared, we see the love of God manifest in the saving of sinners. But the emphasis is on the holy character of God and all of his attributes, not just one at the expense of the others. You see, beloved, God saves us in mercy in accordance with his holiness. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of of his, and give thanks, remembering who he is and his holy character. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger endureth but a moment, in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. The anger of the Lord, or the chastisement of the Lord, is but for a moment. He whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And so we see the chastisement, conviction, and correction of the Lord toward his saints is done in love. Now we may think for a moment that our Heavenly Father is angry with us, but in reality, when we're given grace to think upon it, it's really a manifestation of his loving, correcting hand to us. His anger, or his correction, is but for a moment. You see, beloved, the Lord corrects us when we need it, just like a father or mother corrects their child when they need it. And that's what the Lord is saying here. His anger endureth, but just for a moment. But in his favor is life forevermore. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Though the countenance of my heavenly Father shows me his anger, it's just for a moment. You see, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And although it appears unto us that the Lord is angry, but when his chastisement has accomplished its purpose, we are made to cry out for mercy.
and our weeping passes into joy. Weeping endures for a night, just for a moment. Then the eternal joys come to us in the morning. Beloved, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, for great is his faithfulness. And in Isaiah chapter 54, beginning in verse 7, God's word declares, For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. You see, believing sinner, God corrects us in his loving kindness. All right, Psalm 30, the second part of verse 5. And so in his favor is life, and that's eternal life, beloved. You see, his grace not only sweetens life and cheers life, but his favor and grace brings us unto the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our life. His favor, his grace brings eternal life unto us, beloved. For Christ once suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us unto God. And so in his favor is life. Another way of saying that is this. In Christ, by his grace, he gives us eternal life. You see, beloved, our Heavenly Father is bringing many sons unto glory through his Son. And while we do weep in the night of conviction and correction, my friend, I assure you that should God convict you of your sin of unbelief, the joy of salvation in Christ Jesus will surely follow. And so if God is pleased to show us what we are, it won't be long until he shows unto us the joy and the remedy of our sin in Christ. All right, Psalm 30, verse 6. David writes, And in my prosperity... And God had blessed him in so many ways, in the prosperity of God's grace, in the prosperity of salvation, in the prosperity of God's plenteous, redeeming mercy. In my prosperity, and God blessing all his people in Christ, we say with David, I shall never be moved. Beloved, we shall never be moved from our blessed Lord. For he promises the sinner Every sinner that comes to him, he declares, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. May God in his mercy show us that what we are, we are by his grace. Beloved believing sinner, the only reason we have prosperity and spiritual blessings is because God, by his grace, is pleased to show favor unto us. Therefore, we shall not be moved. As David says in Psalm 62, verse 5, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And so David says, In my prosperity, what I am, I am by the grace of God. All that I know, God taught me. All that I am, he made me. All that I have, he gave me, and all that I ever will be in glory is by his grace. I shall never be moved, for I'm kept by the power of God, who promised all that cometh to me, 
all that cometh trusting in me and what I have done, I will in no wise cast out. Verse 7. Lord, by thy favor, by thy grace, thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. Thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. Lord, by your favor, by your grace, you've made me to stand like a strong mountain. And just like a mountain, beloved, we shall not be moved. David acknowledged that his prosperity, both how God had prospered him in a material way as a sovereign king, and more than that, in a spiritual way, being made one with the Lord Jesus Christ according to God's loving kindness. David said, According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Beloved, all of God's grace toward it, towards us, all of it, is not because we have deserved his mercy or merit his favor. Oh, no. For you see, we have not deserved God's favor, but rather we deserve his just wrath. But God is pleased to show unto his people his loving kindness. Lord, by your favor, by your grace, you've made me to stand strong in Christ, who is all my strength. Beloved, let us make sure that our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ alone, in his strength, in his righteousness, and not in any so-called creature strength or righteousness of our own. God's word warns, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. May God bless his word. Our Lord declares, Judge not according to the appearance but judge righteous judgment. That Pharisee who judges someone because they don't drink this beverage or don't eat that food is twin to him who judges someone because they do drink that beverage or do eat that food. Beloved, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. You see, beloved, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, making us to know that Christ is everything in our salvation. Now look at the last part of verse 7. Thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. The perceived absence of the Lord is troubling to God's people. In effect, David is saying, Lord, I feel as though you've forsaken me. It seems as though your mercies are clean gone. Thou did hide thy face, and I was troubled. And so this is the experience of every believer, how the Lord, according to his saving purpose, in order to humble us, gives us a sense of his absence, though he never leaves us, never forsakes us, never fails us, yet we feel as though his face His presence is hid from us. But even in this perceived absence, we find assurance that we are indeed the Lord's people. For if his absence did not trouble us, beloved, we would not be his saints. For you see, our joy is dependent upon his presence. And it's so good to see that even though it is a troubling thing, when we perceive that he's not present with us, It's a good indication that we are his when we long to hear from him afresh, whether that be in our secret place, in the scriptures, 
or through the preaching of his word. Now, if the Lord does forsake us and we're not troubled, that would be an indication that we don't know the true and living God. But the Lord, according to his own saving purpose, does hide his presence from us. And not that he ever forsakes us, beloved, but he, that, that he just withdraws his presence. And if the Lord in his purpose should withdraw a sense of his presence, even for a moment, it would greatly trouble us, would it not? To be left to ourselves or to our own thoughts or our own will, truly that would greatly trouble us. But it's a good indication that when the Lord is pleased to withdraw for just a moment, just a little while, that it is done to trouble us so that we cry out unto him who promises, I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And so it's a good indication that we are dependent upon his mercy. A good indication that we're dependent upon him who saves his people to the uttermost. Now in verse 8, down through to verse 10, we see David crying out when he perceived that the Lord had withdrawn his blessed presence from him for a while. David said, I was troubled, and no doubt he was greatly troubled, and it caused him to cry out unto the Lord. Verse 8, I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. And we hear his plea argument in verse 9. What profit is there in my blood? O Lord, if you kill me now, when I go down to the pit, shall the dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? Verse 10, we see there a believer's sincere cry for help. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. Beloved, prayer is the unfailing resource of God's people. What a blessed privilege our holy God has given unto us to call upon him in our daily need, in our daily struggles, in the trouble of our own heart and soul, to ever call upon the Lord who has promised, I will not fail thee. What a privilege God gives his beloved people. Our Lord teaches us in the gospel, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so, beloved, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when the Lord chastises us, let us never forget to cry out unto him. Let us never doubt the worth and value of prayer. Beloved, the same almighty hand that wounds us is the same almighty hand that heals us. The same hand that convicts and chastises us is the same loving hand that comforts us. David's plea in verse 9 is simple. Lord, if you're pleased to kill me and take me to glory, I will no longer be able to serve you among the sons of men, proclaiming your truth. So preserve my life that I might serve your purpose. Lord, according to your good pleasure, preserve my life here that I may serve your purpose among your people and declare thy truth. Again, verse 10. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. Because he is the living God, the God that is love, he will hear the cry of his children. And because he is God Almighty, 
He will answer our prayer. He's able to do above all we ask or think according to his purpose and power that works in us mightily. And so our prayer is simple, like the publican. Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. And he does delight to show mercy to his people. He said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. And so hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. Beloved, when he helps, when the Lord helps, difficulties vanish, for vain is the help of man. But if the Lord be our helper, there is no duty which we cannot perform, no foe we cannot overcome, no temptation too strong, no trial too great. You see, beloved, if the Lord be our helper, no burden is too heavy. For I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And beloved, the Lord is our helper and our strength. In Psalm 46, we read beginning in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Beloved, he is our refuge and strength, and in the face of deep trouble, the Lord is our helper. He is our refuge. He is our strength. Verse 11. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, to the end that my soul may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Thou hast turned me, my mourning, my weeping, my lamenting, into praise unto the Lord. Thou hast put off my sackcloth, a token of humiliation and repentance, and girded me with gladness. He hath clothed us, beloved, with the garments of salvation to this end or to this purpose, that we might sing praise to him, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of our Heavenly Father in Christ Jesus concerning you, beloved. And so, believing sinner, the ultimate end of God's mercy to us in Christ is to praise and worship him forever that has and shall lift us up everlastingly. O Lord my God, I will and I do by your undeserved favor, by your undeserved grace, I hear the voice of your beloved son declaring, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never go down to the pit. They shall never perish. Amen.